We're going to read the, the text again. <clears throat> and I'm sorry uh, if you think I'm being repetitive. I am being repetitive. I hope it's not boring, but I am being repetitive because I think it's important. Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. <clears throat> and the reason we're using this text is because from the very beginning in the garden, when God created the heavens and the earth and he created man, God wanted to be with us. That's why he created man, so he could have a relationship with man. <clears throat> Excuse me, got a frog you went according. So that's the way it's been from the very beginning. And all the way through, God has revealed himself as a God who wants to dwell among us, a God who wants to be down here with his people, and he wants to have a special people that are not like any other people on the whole planet. And so that's, uh, thank you, Carlos, that's what God is wanting to do. And so from the beginning to the end, that's the revelation of who God is, a God that wants to be with us. Now there's, you know, there's some different kinds of uh, theology and uh, I think it was Bette Midler kind of made the song famous, you know, that God is watching from a distance. Yeah, it's a beautiful song, but it's bull. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. God's not just watching from a distance. He wants to be here among us. Do you understand that? You know, I mean, he didn't just create the world and spin it like a top and just stand back to watch how it all goes. He wants to be here and dwell among us. And he paid, paid a really high price to make that happen. And he sent his only son. And I want us to understand that God cares about us and dwelling with us. It's not just, it's not just some passing thing or, or one of the things that God does. That is what he does. That's who God is. He wants to be here with us and dwell with us. <clears throat> Oh, man. <coughs> All right, so we talked about Adam and Eve and uh, Enoch and Noah, and we've been all the way up through Abraham and Isaac. Now we're going to start talking about Jacob. And the reason I'm talking about these guys is because it's so significant to understand that God always initiates this relationship. 
You know, Abraham, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't saying, God, you know, show me who you are and tell me where to go and I'll do it. God called him. God came to him and said, if you'll, if you'll leave your family and your home, I'll do something special with you. And that's what God always does. Wade was sharing last night from the prodigal son, and I, you know, just like, man, that, that is really a great, a great reinforcement of what we've been talking about because he was talking about how the father in that story was watching for the son and expecting him to come home, and he didn't, he didn't make a bunch of demands or anything. He, he went to him, and that's what God is doing with all of us. God comes to us. You know, God, you, you can't ever know God except for the fact that he comes to you and says, you know, I'm God and I have a great plan for your life. Would you accept that? And yeah, you got a problem with sin, but I can take care of that sin problem if you'll just let me. Would you accept what I'm offering? And so our choice is to either say yes or like, nah, it's okay. I'm kind of busy right now. I don't need you. And some people do that. I did that for, you know, Quite a few years, I'd go to church every week. My, when I was, I was a young man, I didn't, didn't care anything about that. My mother would drag me to church, and I'd sit there you know, during the altar call and just gripping that seat in front of me, you know, and I was under conviction, but like, I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there. But God never gave up on me. He just kept, he kept calling me. He kept pursuing me. He kept loving me. He kept being patient and merciful. And then one day, His grace was, it just moved on me, and I said, okay, all right, I give. And when you say, okay, I give, that releases God to do all this great and glorious stuff in your life. It changes everything. You're just one, one little time where you say, yes, and God can do everything he wants to do. But it's just the beginning. So you, you, you take the walk down the aisle or whatever, that's just the beginning. God wants that to just be a starting place. And the whole rest of our lives is a journey. We're walking with the Lord, and we're trying to learn, just like all these patriarchs we've been talking about, you know, they, they learned that God wanted to walk with them. God wanted to talk with them. God wanted to reveal himself to them. That's what God does. When we start into this relationship, this journey with him, you know, we don't know anything. We have, we have absolutely no idea of what all that means. But because we say yes, then God will take that simple yes, and he'll begin to reveal himself. He does it through his word. He does it through life experiences. He does it through friends and family and, and other people, you know, preachers and teachers and, uh, you know, all kinds of ways. You can look out at nature. You just look out there and see a, a sunrise or, or a sunset or see the rainbow in the sky. It's like, wow, you know, who but God can do that? You know, I mean, when you see all that, it helps you see who God is. That's how God reveals himself is through his word and through nature and through relationships with people, relationships with animals. <laughs> now, I've got animals, and I, you, know, you can learn a lot of things from animals. And I figured out that people are just a lot like animals, except that we've learned to be a little more cool about it. You know, I mean, animals, they, they don't have any of the cool thing going on. They just do whatever. And... You know, and so it doesn't matter if it's a dog or a cat or a chicken or a goat or a donkey or whatever. They all, they do really weird and dumb things sometimes, and they can frustrate you. And I, it reminds me uh, probably how God gets frustrated with us from time to time when we do really dumb and weird and stupid things. And he looks at us and he says, you know, that's really not too smart, but I still love you. <laughs> and sometimes 
I'm not quite so loving with my animals when they do something really dumb. It's like, that is really dumb, you know. But, you know, that's the beauty of God. He's not like us. He's not a man. He doesn't change. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, you know, when we begin to see that about him, it just gives you such hope and the ability to trust him, knowing that he's not going to do something bad to you. He wants to do good for you all the time. Now, you know, I say this periodically, and I'll, I'm just going to say it again because I don't want anybody to think that I'm only preaching one side of the, of the truth here. You know, there is a real hell, just like there's a real heaven. If you believe in heaven, then you've you got to believe in hell, too, because there's not one, there's not another, and they both, you know, it's both part of what God created. So um, I talk about God's goodness a lot, but the severity of God and the wrath of God rests on people that don't know him. And um, if you go into eternity not knowing him, then that's what you face. And I don't, I don't want to make any bones about that. I'd rather talk to you about God's goodness than God's judgment. And God judges us as his people. And what that means is he's, he's always looking out for our good. He's trying to bring correction and direction into our lives so that we don't get messed up. I have, uh, I have these goats and, you know, the coyotes really like to make a meal out of a goat. That's, uh, and so I have to make sure they get put up every night. If they don't get put up, they get eaten. And uh, every now and then, I've got some resistant goats that don't want to go into the pen, you know, and I go out there and, you know, they, every time you try to get them up, one stubborn goat will take off and then they all follow them. And so, you know, me being the wonderful, loving person that I am, <coughs> sometimes I just say, fine, you, you get eaten. I'm going to the house. You know, I'm, I've spent 30 minutes there trying to get you, you know, you're on your own. So I go back to the house and Tracy said, you get them all up? Well, uh, no. Well, why not? I said, well, you know, they were, you, you need to you go back down there and you get those goats up. Okay. She's a lot more loving than I am. So, so anyway, it's, uh, but, you know, that's the way God is. Aren't you glad God didn't say you can just get eaten? <laughs> I mean, God is watching out for us all the time. I mean, he loves us. And he's watching out for us. And when we're doing all the dumb stuff and we're being stubborn and rebellious and we're, we're resistant to his goodness and his grace, oh, I, I just, I can't say it enough. Man, how good is God? It's like, he's just patient and he just keeps calling. Man. I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget what it was like to not have God in my life. You know, the, that feeling when, you, when you're trying to go to sleep at night and you're wondering, man, I hope I don't die because I don't know God. I don't know how people, I don't know how people go through some of the terrible things that they go through without the Lord in their lives because knowing Him and knowing that He is on your side, it just changes everything. I mean, you can endure you can endure all kinds of things when you know God is on your side. And the beauty of it is 
it doesn't even have to change your circumstances. You know, I mean, your circumstances cannot change one bit. And just knowing that God is on your side and he loves you, you can walk with joy and peace, even though you're still facing the same problem. And I, I learned that, I learned that the hard way by, by walking through some difficult times. And that's sometimes, unfortunately, that's the only way you can really learn that stuff is by going through hard things because it causes you to look at everything differently. When you start looking at things differently, you begin to see the truth. God can reveal what he, what he needs to reveal to you so that, that you can trust him and you can be assured that he is out for your good all the time. Anyway, that wasn't really part of the message, but it is kind of. So Jacob, in uh, Genesis 28, says he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and his top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You'll spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. There's, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. And Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, give me bread to eat, clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I just want to remind you, the Bible doesn't say that Jacob was praying. It doesn't say that Jacob was calling on the Lord. It doesn't say that Jacob was worshiping the Lord. It doesn't say that Jacob was seeking the Lord in any way. It just says that while he was sleeping, God came to him. God is the one that's always initiating this relationship. That's good to know. Because even as much as we say we love God, that's not even to be compared with how much God loves us and how much God is pursuing us. And so when we say, man, I'm, I'm drawing near to you, God, every time we move them, and yeah, it's, you know, it's like God moves a thousand miles towards us. I mean, God is, he is so eager to have this relationship with us. He's always coming for us. He's always coming to us. And when you read about these patriarchs, it always happened the same way. It says God appeared to them. God spoke to them. God called to them. They weren't, they weren't initiating that. God was initiating it. That's what's great about this relationship with him. He doesn't ever change. And so when you and me, when we were in our moments of rebellion, God was still initiating that. He was still coming for us. He was still pursuing us, and he was still saying, look, I love you. I want to be part of your life. I've got a great plan for you. If you just say yes, invite me in. I can come, and I can, I can take away all that, 
that pain and suffering and, and I can give you peace and joy and a hope. And all the despair you experience right now, wondering what's going to happen if you die, I can change all that. And all of a sudden you'll see that there's life more abundantly in me. God can change everything. Man. Not because I'm saying it, but that's good stuff. You know, that's the truth. We need to get excited about that. We need to get excited about that enough that we would want to talk about it every day, everywhere we go, to our friends, our families, to the stranger at the gas pump, you know, whoever. Hey, have you heard about God? Man, he is good. Well, I'd start telling people about that. Mitch knows about it. He shared with that with somebody one day. You know, God can do all kinds of things if you just be willing. If you'll just be willing. And I think, I think what really needs to happen is that we just need to remember who we were before God changed us. And that'll make you want to do something about it. Because I wasn't, I wasn't very happy. I was young. You know, it wasn't like I got into all, I mean, I was, I was a sinner. But I really gave, gave my life to the Lord fully when I was 15 years old. You know, so it wasn't like I was a drug addict or, you know, I hadn't been to prison for 15 years or anything. I, you know, I was, I was just a normal kid, but I was miserable in my sin. I'm 62 now, and I still remember that I was miserable in my sin. And I'm never going to forget that I was miserable in my sin because God changed everything that day when I said yes. And so when we're excited about what he's done, we will want to talk about it. That's just the truth. And, you know, if you're excited about your football team or your baseball team, it's okay to, woohoo, yeah, you know. I mean, we ought to be willing to do that for God every now and then, too. You know, have a little enthusiasm for what he's done. And I'm not asking you to be, to be wild and crazy all the time, but every now and then, it wouldn't hurt all of us to just say, woohoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, you know. Yeah. You rule. I, uh, I want to get back to my message. All right, so <laughs> Jacob had several encounters with the Lord. It says uh, a few chapters later, angel of God spoke to to him in a dream and he said Jacob answered here I am he said lift up your eyes now and see and see Jacob had been he'd been working for Laban and uh, you know Laban was taking advantage of him but Jacob was uh, was trusting God to bless him and God said look you know, I see what's going on you know you see all these uh, all these these goats that are spotted and speckled and all these different things and, and I'm I'm working it out so I'm blessing you I've seen what Laban's doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. And now arise and get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Well, God was speaking to him and guiding him and directing him. And Jacob was, uh, he was like most of us. He was just busy working. He was trying to make a living for his family. He was doing the things that all of us do, you know, just every day. Get up, go to work. The difference is, um, he was not—he was not with his people. He was, 
he was away from his people, and in his heart he wanted to return to his people. But he couldn't go because he, he basically said, I'll work for you for seven years for your daughter. And Laban tricked him, and so he worked 14 years. And then after all that, he said, I'm ready to go. And he said, oh, don't go, don't go, I'll pay you. And, and, uh, and he, he kept changing the wages, but Jacob said, okay, Lord, you know, you just, you see what's going on. And uh, God said, I'm going to bless you. And so he did. He blessed him, and he became, he became very wealthy. And that's what God wants to do to all of us. And I'm not talking about financial wealth. I'm talking about he wants to make us wealthy spiritually. He wants us to be filled with him so that we are prospering in every area of our life. So that as we walk with him, that we're blessed and we're happy and we're filled with hope and joy and love and peace. And, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, financial uh, blessing is part of it. And we don't talk about that a lot, but that's, you know, God doesn't really want you to be poor. You know, he wants you to be okay. Now, poor and rich is, is all relative. And the way the Hebrew people believed that being blessed and prosperous was having enough for today and just a little bit more so they could share it with someone. If, that, if you had that, then you were blessed and you were prospering. That's a lot different than we look at things. You know, we tend to look at stuff and thinking, if I don't have, you know, a whole year's worth of mortgage payments in the bank set aside, you know, that I'm, oh, I'm in trouble or, or whatever it might be. You know, if I don't have a new car or if I don't get to eat steaks three nights a week or, you know, whatever, whatever you equate being rich about, I don't really know about that personally. I just know that, that God wants us to be content with what we have. And if our heart is right, what we have will be enough. And we'll be able to figure out a way to make it all work. And that doesn't mean sometimes it won't be challenging. Um, that's, that's, all, that's all fine and good, too. Because God wants us to learn to trust Him and depend on Him. And when we do that, then He can show up and He can provide for us. And it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, with millions of dollars. It can be with hundreds of dollars, and if that's enough to satisfy your needs, then why, why would you not be just happy as can be? If God is showing up and taking care of you, then it doesn't matter if it's big or little. You know, when you don't have a lot, it doesn't take much to put you in the hole, but it doesn't take much to get you out of the hole. And when you got a lot, it takes bigger. But God is still the God of, of all that. You know, He takes care of everything. So big or little, God can take care of those needs. And even more than our finances, God is interested in our heart. He wants us to be able to be content in Him. And the way that we're content in Him is that we trust Him, and we don't have expectations beyond what, what He's promised us. And I'm, I believe in, in a, a prosperity gospel to a point, but it's only... <laughs> It's only to a point because it, it's not about being, you know, fabulously wealthy and driving expensive brand new cars. It's about having your needs met. And that's what God's about. He does want to meet our needs. And he is faithful to do that. Because he wants to dwell among us. And where the king is, the kingdom is present. And where the kingdom is present, then all kinds of things are happening that are good. Because the kingdom of God, when it comes down... Things begin to happen right here and now, just like they are in heaven. That's what Jesus prayed, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
We read that as a text that, that when we go to heaven, there's not going to be any more sorrow. There's not going to be any more pain, no more tears, because God's going to wipe all the tears away. And I'm here to tell you, we need to learn to walk that right now because that's what God wants to do in our lives right now. It won't be fully accomplished until we're in glory, but we can experience that. That's what the abundant life is right now. It's learning to walk in God's provision and care and goodness. And we don't need to be walking around always in sorrow and pain and disappointment and grief and anxiety and fear and doubt and depression and discouraged and blah, blah, blah. You go on and on and on. You know, God wants us to walk around with peace and joy and love. He wants us to be experiencing His fullness. And if you do that, if you'll let God be God in your life and you'll begin to trust Him, and your confidence is in Him, I promise you, you'll begin to be at peace and your circumstances may not change at all, but your heart will be changed. And when that happens, then the circumstances, they don't really matter that much anymore. Because God's grace is sufficient. So whether you're, you've got pain in your body, whether you're, you're desperate financially, whether you've got other problems, when God shows up, all that changes because He changes you. That's what He wants to do. He wants to change us. God wants to dwell among us. Eddie, y'all can come on back. God wants to dwell among us. That's what He's always wanted. And that's what He wants to do with each one of us, he wants to reveal himself in such a way that we know he's got a good plan for us. And he's working all the time. And, and most of the time, we don't see it. Most of the time, we, we don't recognize that he's working on our behalf because we don't see everything. You know, the spiritual realm, it, you got to have spiritual eyes to really see it, and not everyone is able to see into that. Most of us don't, hardly ever. But, but there is stuff that's going on all the time, 24-7, in the spiritual realm. And if we would just see what God is doing on our behalf, how, how it would change our attitude to know that He's, you know, your prayers are, are being heard and responded to. Daniel was 21 days before he got an answer, but he never gave up. He kept praying. And all that time, God had already sent the answer, but because Daniel was willing to persevere in prayer, he, he saw the answer. But if he'd given up, he may have never seen the answer to his prayer. And I'm telling you, God responds to our prayers. We may not see it, but we know that he's always working on our behalf. So God wants to dwell among us. He wants to reveal himself to us so that we would know him and what He wants to do in our lives. And, we, and when we get to that point where we begin to understand who He is and who we are in Him, it changes everything. And I'm just getting started good on that. Not on the message today. We're, we're about finished with the message. I'm, you know, I'm not just getting started. But I'm learning. And I'm hoping that I, I'm able to, to lead and model all that for you guys because that's, what, that's our goal is we all want to grow together until we all become the fullness of Christ. You know, that's what he wants to work in us as his body. Each one of us as individuals becoming who we're supposed to be. And then as a body, we all are fitted together and joined together, each part supplying what's needed so that we become this 
this beautiful bride of Christ that's waiting, waiting for him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Lord, help us to... Help us to see you as you are today, Lord, that we would begin to see it in the spiritual realm like never before. And we'd know that you want to come and dwell among us. And it's not just a one-time event. It's not just on Sunday morning. But you want to dwell with us all the time while we're walking, while we're talking, while we're, while we're eating, while we're sleeping. You want to dwell with us. And you want us to, to always be aware of your presence. Help us to see that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship. This alabaster jar is all I have aboard. Drink it at your feet. It's less than you deserve. Far more
As we sing this last song, if you have any special prayer requests, you want someone to agree with you, you know, we'll meet you here at the altar. If you don't know the Lord, or maybe, maybe earlier in the service, you gave your heart to the Lord for the first time. If you did that, uh, take the next step and just, just come and, and tell me so that we can pray with you and encourage you. And so as we worship, if you have any special needs, come. Someone will meet you and pray with you. And I just encourage you to keep letting the Lord speak to you.
thank you, Lord, that you gave up everything so that we can have everything. All this stuff we're talking about this morning, or all you've done this morning, yes. you did that for us because you loved us. Yes. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us before we loved you, before we cared anything about you. You loved us, and you came for us. Hallelujah. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Uh, remember all the things we're doing and uh, put your uh, response in that box back there about how many of you are coming to the, the business meeting. And man, thanks for coming. You guys are great. I love y'all and appreciate y'all. Have a great week.